today on CityCast Denver. By my count, there are like a zillion immersive art exhibitions happening in Denver right now. There's Meow Wolf and David Byrne's Theater of the Mind, of course, but there's also immersive Van Gogh, immersive Dali, and even one based on the Netflix show Bridgerton. It's all starting to feel a little less like the pursuit of beauty and a little more like one big fat cash grab. I mean, beauty is a, is a Grecian urn, right? Fun is playing in a mud pit. Materially, they're not that far apart, but it's just, you know, one is, you know, you're making and the other is that you're, you're kind of basking or learning. Last year, Professor of Fun David Thomas opened my eyes to all the little things that make Casa Bonita fun. But he's also co-founder of Immersive Denver, a group dedicated to this new art form that's taken Denver by storm. So I called him up and he made the case for why we should take immersive art seriously, but not too seriously. Today is Thursday, November 3rd, 2022. I'm Bree Davies and this is CityCast Denver. David Thomas, welcome back to CityCast Denver. Oh, wow. Super pleasure to be here. So, David, I have to be honest with you from the start. I'm increasingly skeptical of the immersive art trend, mostly because it feels like a commercial venture at this point more than an artistic one. But I think if anyone could turn me around on this, it would be you. And I would love to start with your personal relationship with immersive art. Do you remember like the first time you experienced something that would be considered quote unquote immersive art? Yeah. I mean, the the funny thing about immersive is all the examples predate the terminology. Sure. So, you know, these days we would, you know, gloriously include Disneyland into the immersive bucket. But I didn't think Disneyland was immersive when I was a kid. I just thought it was cool. <laughs> so so really, I'd say the first immersive thing for me was uh, Siobhan O'Glaughlin's Broken Bone Bathtub that Lonnie Hanson produced in Denver, maybe about five years ago. And uh, it was the first, like, just intimate piece of theater where the actress was, first of all, extremely vulnerable. She was sitting in a bubbly bathtub. But, you know, she was talking to the audience and. and and, and that was like, that was immersive. And I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. I suppose the second big kind of touchstone was going to uh, the House of Eternal Return, the Meow Wolf original exhibit down in Santa Fe. And again, people grasping for ways to describe this said it's immersive. So so these days, immersive is a, it's, it's a, it's a big tent and it's got a fuzzy boundary. And maybe you're standing in the shadow. You should come into the sunlight of immersive. How would you define immersive art for someone who says, I have no idea what that means? Yeah, this is such a lovely question and it depends. Um, I think that the most common definition is, is one that centers around the idea of immersive art is audience centered art, where the audience plays a non-trivial role in the production of the art or entertainment. And, um, you know, I mean, that, that works great for theater because, you know, theater audiences are used to sitting in, a, you know, in rows and rows and looking at something through a proscenium. And so if the actors get out into the audience, like, hey, like the old Rocky Horror, you know, theatrical production, all of a sudden it feels immersive, right? Exactly. I think that when you move into something like Meow Wolf, where it's just this kind of like, you know, maximalist kind of freak show. It's a little harder to say, like, well, how is this audience centric? But it still feels like the art is there to serve you rather than you to serve the art. So, so I think that audience centric, you know, art is, is at the core of it. Now, there's another definition that's not widely shared, but it's how I look at it. And it comes from my whole professor of fun stuff. And, you know, not to, to get too academic, but I think that, um, I think fun as an aesthetic form centers the audience by asking the audience to make meaning. 
which I know sounds really pointy headed and, and highbrow, but really all it means is normally you go to an art gallery and there's a painting there and either you get the painting or you don't. And if you don't get the painting, you talk to a docent and they explain to you its historical significance and its artistic relevance. And you kind of bask in its glory and your new education. I think the fun aesthetic operates different than that, than the beauty aesthetic. The fun aesthetic is like, I don't know what it is. You decide. And thus Disneyland becomes a, a perfect test case for this. Cause what does Disneyland mean? It means whatever you want. I mean, you just go there and you live out your fantasies. What does Casamanita mean? What does Meow Wolf mean? Right. And so I think that to me, it's like really what, what signals immersive art is the audience centricness is really around the audience gets to participate in making meaning out of what their experience rather than just being like a churchgoer sitting there being given the, the, the words from the altar. Yeah, I'm thinking about so many experiences I've had where there's this pretense where I walk into a, you know, world renowned art institution and I'm supposed to know what is going on or <laughs> how to feel or how to consume that art or understand it. And from what I'm hearing from you, this the distinction here is like you don't have you don't have to do all that work as much as you can just feel it and enjoy it for what you think it is. Yeah. Or, or maybe you have to do more work, you know, I mean, like, I, I mean, I'll just pick on Meow Wolf because I think, you know, a lot of people are familiar with it. Some people love the fact that it's like, wow, what is this? And they're trying to figure it out and they're trying to figure out how they fit into it. Some people hate that. They're like, where's the map? You know, what's the chronology? What's the story? You know, and, and I think that that's why we should say I like to talk about beauty and fun as being twin aesthetics and they can cooperate or they can compete. It doesn't matter. Um, so so I think the important thing is, though, you know, you're in immersive when you are actually excited about doing that meaning making work or you're in a good piece of immersive. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. So you have like you have co-founded uh, Immersive Denver to support this immersive art community and you're co-organizing this huge gathering this weekend with immersive artists coming from all over the world. Why did you want to dedicate yourself to cultivating this type of art? Like why do you care so much? Well, well, I mean, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, it's just sort of like an accidental adventure. Um we started Immersive Denver re really because we just wanted to get some cool people together and and talk about this thing that we saw that was emerging and we thought it'd be very exciting. Well, a few years have rolled by and we've had a global pandemic and um, the, the, the Denver Immersive Gathering or the DIG, as we like to call it, really b blossomed from a simple idea, which was um, Charlie Miller from the DCPA called and said, hey, would Immersive Denver considering doing its next kind of, you know, convening around the theater of the mind? Because there's lots of people that would like to, to see that. 
And we're like, sure, that sounds like a great idea because theater of the mind, you know, whether, you know, whatever you feel about it is a really important piece of immersive work in Denver. I think it's a very cool, cool um, piece of work. So, so once we kind of got going with that, um, what we discovered is uh, nationally in particular, there's a lot of interest in Denver because, you know, we have a Meow Wolf. We have, uh, you know, the theater of the mind. Um, we have Casa Bonita. Two Bit Circus is bringing a, a, an interactive hotel, immersive hotel to town. We, you know, we've got some pretty notable productions that have gone on that, that people nationally see that. And so they're kind of like, I, mean, I don't mean to kick Denver, but I think, you know, if you look at it from the coast, you're like, what's going on in this little town in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> and so, so we capitalized on that to say, hey, come out to Denver. We'll show you like we are an immersive city because we are open to making new meaning for each other with our audiences. We're experimental, you know, we're not locked into, you know, a, a way of seeing art and entertainment. And so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm summarizing like nine months of moving from what was going to be us going camping this summer to this gigantic <laughs> festival that we're throwing. I struggle with this, but I also see the benefits is like it, it's a tourist, it's a tourism draw, right? I, I just, yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a constant struggle with me to think like, are we... Are we just going to make a little, are we going to make a little money in the moment or are we really building something that could make Denver stand out for decades to come as this hub for art? Yeah. I mean, l let me give you the grand challenge. The grand challenge is um, Denver has a great theater scene. It has a thriving kind of movie industry, but we will never be Broadway. We will never be Hollywood, right? We're never going to be the center of publishing. It's just there's certain places in the world that grab something and then they kind of own it and they become the magnet, right? Um, our thought is why can't Denver become the, you know, one of the hubs for immersive art and entertainment? We've got a foothold and, you know, that's what's exciting about something that's new. Is it going to be carpetbaggers? Is it going to be fly-by-night operations? Is it just going to be, you know, something that's, is, you know, dated as, as much as airbrushed vans in a few years? Or is it going to be people are going to look back in 20 years and be like, wow, how did Denver get started in this? And the answer is going to be, I don't know. We just saw an opportunity and people kept buying tickets. And so we kept building it. Okay. But we have to talk about those fly-by-night operations though. Like I'm thinking about immersive Van Gogh, immersive Frida Kahlo, immersive Dali, immersive Bridgerton and immersive Friends where I guess you can go hang out on the sets of those shows. And that's like really where my skepticism comes from. So I want to know how you see all of these. Like you said, it's a it's a big tent, right? The work that goes into the theater of the mind production versus churning people through a friend's immersive uh, set of the show. You know what I mean? Like, how do you think about all of these different things fitting under this one big tent? Well, I mean, you know, some of this is where taste comes in. I mean, you know, if, if you said to someone who'd never seen a movie, let's go to the movies, and the first movie you showed them was an Adam Sandler movie, they might get an impression <laughs> of cinema, right? And it's really complex because, you know, one person's uh, menudo is the next person's in sync, right? I mean, like, it, you know, they're both exactly the same thing. They're like, you know, aggregated, sellout popularized bands but over time now for whatever reason NSYNC is considered to be worthy of, of fandom and, and Menudo is some sort of like it's disappeared into time so I think in, I think in, in Immersive it's the same thing I mean people are trying different things people have different tastes and I'll be honest with you some people love standing in a big dark room and seeing paintings you know float across the sky and the last thing in the world they want is you as an actor to go talk to them you know so it's just taste how do you think taste fits into immersive art? Do you, di I mean, I know we don't want to be dictators or per 
purveyors of taste necessarily, but uh, do you do you what's the role of taste? Yeah, yeah. I mean, t- taste always is involved with aesthetics, right? Because it's like who you are, how you experience the world. People are different. Um, I think the, the the simple answer is, first of all, taste is hard with immersive because it's new, right? So people don't know what to make of it. They, they, they don't, they don't, you know, they're like immersive. Is, am I going to, is someone going to take my clothes off and pour tomato soup on me? And you're like, I don't think so, you know. Um, so so I, I think there's just like we don't have the boundaries set. So people don't quite know what they're getting. So it's hard for them to formulate taste. It's like you go into a food court. There's all these different flavors and none of them are labeled. And so you're not even sure what you ate or how to get it again. Um, I think the other aspect of taste is that I, I would call it educated taste, right? It's like um, if taste never changed, we would all be eating mac and cheese and chicken nuggets for the rest of our lives. But over time, you know, you, you develop taste. You start to learn a bitter flavor can really bring out the, you know, a sense of something. And you start to learn that's a good flavor. So I think the same thing with immersive. I think that we are missing a really interesting, critical conversation. So Brie, that's why it's so wonderful you're asking these questions because you're not taking it at face value. Yeah, and my my thoughts on this change often, but I think maybe you're right. Like maybe the Van Gogh projection is an entry point for someone to start the process of thinking about where art lives in their life. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we could get all huffy about the Denver Art Museum you know, showing Star Wars costumes as art. Oh, how dare they? <laughs> or you could say like, cool, we're getting fans into the art museum to see other stuff. So, I mean, I think the doors are open both ways. I mean, I'm not saying that Van Gogh is my kind of immersive art. Um, you know, my most profound experiences are very intimate one-on-ones in these really rich, dramatic worlds. But I know that's not, maybe that's not where people need to start. You know, maybe you start with Adam Sandler and you build up to the Godfather, so to speak. <laughs> okay. I like that. I like that thought. Um, so it, it is obviously it's immersive art is, would be considered a hot trend right now. We're seeing it everywhere. Um, and often, as you've you've kind of talked about, trends can get co-opted and sort of Disney-fied. But what do you think the future looks like for immersive art? Well, you know, that's a that's a great question. I, I think that um, the answer goes closer back to my notion of of immersive as kind of this emerging art form. And I, I'll tell you the answer by way of an example. Um, traditional museums, natural history museums, and art museums. You know, they have been adapting pretty rapidly over the last 10 years to try to prop up some of their, um, their attendance. And, and when you look at a lot of the things they do, like, you know, the final Fridays at the art museum or the, you know, like, I think the, um, the Museum of Nature and Science did a like, life on Mars, it could be like, you know, like you're on Mars. I think they're already leaning into immersive because people are hungry for these more complex experiences. And, um, this may have to do with the fact that, uh, our, our visual and material culture used to be really rare. You used to have to go to a museum to see art. You used to have to go to a movie theater to see a movie. And now it's like you can order junk through Amazon if you want, you know, material and you can watch anything you want on your computer. So, so I think that maybe some of the traditional ways we have shown art now people are like, I want to touch it. I want to interact with it. I want to, uh, you know, and so I, I'm going to just say, I think the future of art and entertainment is going to look more immersive and maybe the term immersive will fade out mm-hmm. because, you know, f- fine art has a it has a nasty tendency to uh, change its mind about what's fine art because uh, 
you know, like, let's just take Banksy, you know, yes. <laughs> if, at first Banksy was a finger in the eye of the fine arts. And now the fine arts are kind of like, no, no, we, 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 he's us. We, 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 we have extended our boundaries. They're the Russia of, of, of aesthetics. They'll take over anything they can get that fine art world. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could just see it becoming one of the things that you can take part in when you walk into an art museum now. You know, you might still be able to see the medieval painting exhibit that you wanted to see, but then you might also go into another gallery and do an immersive Star Wars experience. And those could be on the same level in the same institution. Yeah, you bet. And meanwhile, you know, some of our, you know, our kind of a traditional immersive places like Disneyland, they're moving further ahead. And, and so the keynote for the, the, the dig is the design team that helped put together this Galactic Star Cruiser hotel at Disney, the immersive hotel. Now, whether again, it's your taste or not, I'm like, you know, wow, an immersive hotel where you get to live on Star Wars experience for a couple of days. So, so I'm kind of like, well, museums, next thing you're going to have to do is build a hotel so people can live in the museum. I don't know what comes next. It's like you're going to have to keep racing ahead. Well, thank you, Thomas. Thank you so much. My pleasure always. And you've got to get out there and see some more immersive shows. That's what I think. <laughs> I do. I need to go to Theater of the Mind for sure. And maybe I will give a Van Gogh a chance. There you go. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. The East Colfax community has once again been rocked by gun violence. According to the Denver Post, three suspects opened fire on a group of people standing on the sidewalk near the intersection of Colfax and Verbena on Tuesday afternoon, killing one person and injuring five. The shooting comes months after another seemingly random shooting in the neighborhood led to the death of community leader Ma Kang. We'll be watching this story as it develops. And finally, we're planning our first ever mailbag episode because we get way more thoughtful voicemails and questions from you all than we could ever fit in our regular episodes. So if you have a question for us or a comment on something we've said, we want to hear it. Text 720-500-5418 or leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood and we might answer your question on the show. That number again is 720-500-5418. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell the ghost of Vincent Van Gogh about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya. Here's a new exhibition of old dusty rugs from the Denver Art Museum. <laughs> it's supposed to be fun, right? <laughs> That's the whole point. <laughs>